0: I was telling uh, Brittany last night that the message today is one of those that I don't really uh, personally look forward to preaching, and it might be like, well that doesn't sound very good, yay, I'm glad, glad I came for this, uh, but the reason is, is um, you know, we, we're committed to preaching the Bible, and the whole Bible, and so when we come to certain topics, we don't shy away from them, but we preach them even if they're not popular. And so today is one of those times where there's some some stuff that might be hard to hear, um, some stuff that might be very against our culture. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you that if it's hard for you to hear, sometimes it's hard for me to say as well. Um, so don't uh, walk away from this feel like I am always just being judgmental or something like that. Uh, but that's not my intent at all. My intent is to share with you the truth as I see it, from the Word of God, and so that's what we're going to do today. We're in Judges, um, and we're going to cover some ground today. We covered a good bit of ground last week. You might notice that I'm covering a lot more verses in Judges than I did in Philippians. But, uh, that's that's just part of it. Uh, so last week we covered chapter one all the way through chapter two verse five, and today we're going to cover chapter two verse six through chapter three verse six. Okay, and so I want to start today by just reading through this passage and. And what it's going to do is it actually kind of sums up uh, a lot of what we talked about last week. So we're going to look at more spe- more specific details of what went on uh, with these people. But uh, let's just let's just start into it. So Judges chapter 2, start in verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. ...who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of a hundred and ten years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in timnath in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all the generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation... Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers. Sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies, so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. Then the Lord raised up judges, who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored. Soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he said, Because this people have transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drop out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died. In order to test Israel by them. The nations that the Lord left to test Israel by. That is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. It was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war, to teach war to those who had not known it before. These are the nations. The five lords of the Philistines, and all the Canaanites, and the Sidonians, and the Hivites, who lived in Mount. they were for the testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So, the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And their daughters So, we see, once again, through this this, uh, this passage, uh, what we saw last week, if we can go to our first slide here, is this cycle. Okay, go to the next one. Um, we we'll probably come back to that one. Uh, and so, we see that God blesses the people. He's given them the land, and then the people sin. They turn against him. They don't follow him. He then, in turn, punishes them for that sin, and then the people repent. God provides what we're looking at. That's where these people are. And I, want to, I want us to look a little deeper today, specifically at the issue between God blesses and the people sin. What is it that lead, leads these people to sin? And if we go back uh, to chapter 2, verse 10, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. So all those who experienced this great work of God given on this land, they've seen God's Away. <laughs> and there arose a... Surely their parents told them you know, about their grandparents crossing the Red Sea. Surely they told them that. Or surely they, they heard about the story of the walls of Jericho. It was surely that got, got told. But we don't know. Because it says they didn't know the work Lord had done. And what was the instructions that God had given the people? Well, in Deuteronomy 6, it says uh, this. Deuteronomy 6 starting in verse 4 and 9 these were the instructions that, that god gave the israelites this is this is how their religion is supposed to be passed on this is how their knowledge of god is supposed to be passed on it says hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind important commandment, that's right where he goes. The fact that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. After these words I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of things that you did not fulfill. And it goes on and he explains what he's going to do for them. But the instruction was. to do it? Does he say, well, you need, what you really need to do is you need to set up a really good Sunday school program and bring them there once a week and then that will take care of it. No, that's not what he says. Does he say, well, you just need a really good uh, discipleship material that if you can take your kids through that discipleship material, then they'll have it. Well, no, that's not what he says. What he says is as you wake up, teach your kids. As you go along your day, teach your kids. As you're doing your make dinner, teach your kids. So it's as you're living your daily life serving God, show that your kids that are alongside you, this is how it's done, And this is why it's done. This is my God. This is our God. This is the God who loves us. This is the God who provides for us. This is the God who blesses us. And so daily as I'm succeed in that all the time? Absolutely not but that's my goal that's, that's what I'm trying to do with my son as, as he grows and as he understands more and more um, people say well when's a good time to start well, when your kid's born I think is a really good time to start um, we've been having nightly Bible time since he was born and I'm not saying that to say wow well, look at us I'm just saying like, that's one way that we found as a family um, it's good for us for family time on those stories to him, um, the stories of the work of God and what God has done. And so that's one thing that, that we do as a family, um, that we're, we're, we're trying to do this for our son and pass on this truth to him and pass it on to the next generation. Um, and so, but back um, now to Judges, but what the Israelites did oh, well, you want a friend. You know, It's important to have friends. Go play with those friends over there. Um, I know they're not Israelites. They're not like us, but it's okay. You just go play with them and do the, do the things they're doing. And slowly, they got intermeshed in this culture. And their kids grew up to want to marry the kids of these other people who did not love God and did not serve God. And they were led, ultimately, to worshiping these false gods. From Timothy Keller, and uh, he says this: commitment is replaced by complacency, and then complacency by compromise. And that's what we see in the people of Israel, and that's what we see in our own lives if we're not careful. Is that we go from a place where we're committed, we're committed to the Lord, committed to His work, committed to what He wants us to do, and then, kind of over time, we can kind of become complacent. And this can happen just in, in our own lives, but it also easily happens in generations can have one generation that's very committed to God and very committed to his work. The next generation can kind of be like, well, I know that was really important to mom and dad. You know, I respect them for that. I respect it for that purpose, but it's not really big to me. And then the next generation is just like, So, how do we engage that? How do we we work through that? And as a church, I want us to help be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And so, I want us to engage this culture, um, especially the next generation. And we've got a ways to go to get there. Uh, But I was talking this week telling me about the things that teenagers in the in West Cologne are up against. So much uh, just drug influence here and, and other things that, that are drawing kids and drawing them in, things that would be against God and against his ways and are, are taking over the lives of, of the children of the city. And so we can either look at that and we can say, well, look how bad they are. Tell the the story that we love to tell And point them to the God Because from my experience My friends growing up Who who went that route And went the route of of drugs and things like that They did so because they were looking To meet A felt need in their life They had a pain They had something that they wanted to cover They, They were trying to fulfill Something in their life that was not fulfilled And so So, the question is Will the kids of this city be told? Will they know? Will they know what God has done? Will they know the truth about will Him? The, will they ultimately know Him? Because that's what really matters. That's what we really want, right? We want people to know the Lord and Savior. It's, he's the one who makes himself known, right? Um, ultimately, when, some, when he works in someone's life, he is the one that does that, not us. Um, ultimately, that's his job. But, we get to play the role of helping him. And our, our church's mission statement, if we go going down, is the Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped that is, we're here to help people know God. We're here to help people know Jesus. That's, that's our purpose. That's what we're here for. And so as we're trying to do that, and as we're trying to do that in this community, one of the key components of doing that is telling them about Him. That is our job. That is what we do. We, we can't make someone have faith tell him about the things he's done through history. We can tell him about all that we find in the Bible. We can give him all of that information, that ultimately it's up to him. And so I want to encourage you, if maybe as I was talking about um, par- parenting and that kind of thing, and, and passing it on to your own kids, and maybe you're struggling with, well, I, I tried, but I don't, I don't see that. And maybe people will misquote the verse. different types of literature in the Bible, Proverbs are written from the the general standpoint of this is general wisdom. This is generally how things work. Proverbs are not promises. They are not promises from God. They are general wisdom literature. So generally if you teach a child the right must not have done that. No, that's not right. Another, another thing to encourage you with if you maybe have older children who are walking with the Lord, is I want to encourage you that nowhere in any of the Bible and anything that it says about parenting does it give an expiration date. As long as they are still alive and you are still alive, then they interact with them, as you walk along with them, as you go through your day, as you walk through your day with the Lord, try to encourage them to do the same. Continue to tell them those stories. Continue to tell them the truth of what God has done. Continue to share that truth with them. Because as long as, as, long as they're alive and you're alive, there's still hope for you to have that in their life. On the other side of that, also the passages for those of us who, who still have uh, parents around to honor our father and mother, um, those really don't have an expiration date either. Um, So just because you reach a certain age in your life and things do change, doesn't mean that those things change. Like you you still have that influence. You still have that ability to instruct. And as children, you're still supposed to honor and show that respect uh, for those parents. So this is our goal. same stuff that the Israelites were up against. You say, wait a second, I don't know of any Baal or Ashtoreth uh, temples or shrines in West Kelowna, and so, wait, I think we've got a little something different here than what they've got going on. Well, to really understand about the Baal and the Ashtoreth, we need to understand these people's religion. And basically what their religion was is it's very comparable, and there's tie-overs with that uh, God system of a hierarchy of deities that um, are very flawed. Uh, it's it's carry over from that. It was just, just in a different geographic region, and so each region kind of would have their own little different things about these different gods. Um, Baal was a, a very popular one, but even within the region that the Israelites were in, different of these people groups had different views about Baal. Okay, and so, um, but ultimately, their view on Baal and Ashtoreth when he talks about those two together, uh, was that Baal is the sun god, and Ashtoreth, uh was the, the goddess of fertility, okay, and so uh, she would be similar to like from uh, Aphrodite, um, if you're familiar with that, so, uh, so you've got these two, and the way that the people saw things was, their belief was that ultimately, for there to be and for there to be a good harvest, that Baal and Asherah had to procreate, and their procreation was the fruit that you would get from the crops. Okay, and so that that was the view of these people. And so to worship those gods and try to encourage them to, to you know reproduce, uh, they would in their worship enact. So that's that's what it's talking about uh, when, he, when when it says they hoard after other gods. Yes, it's a, a philosophical thing in the concept of that they they were supposed to be worshiping the one true God, but they were worshiping another one. But it's also a physical thing in that they were practicing whoredom in their worship of these gods. Like that's that's what they were doing, and so this would take on different forms. Um, Basically, you know, orgies and there prostitution and definitely you know extramarital affair that kind of stuff. Like it was just you know whoever's around when you're needing to worship, like that's kind of the thing that goes on. And then that way you can have grapes, right? So like that's that's their their mentality. That that was these people. And I'm sorry if this is like uncomfortable for you, but we're looking at what what is. So, so, hmm, what would it be like to raise children in a culture where everyone around you was just engaging in all of this sexual activity? How could we ever identify uh, with something like that, like where there's no moral standard for sexuality and that kind of thing? Well, I think there is definitely some tie-over. Them um, what the Bible says, and so um, I think the difference is, is that instead of uh, today people saying they're worshiping Baal or Astra, I think what they're worshiping is they're just a little more honest and they just say that they're worshiping sex. And in in worshiping sex, what you're ultimately doing is worshiping self. You're saying this is what I want. This is what I this is what my desires are, and I want my desires to be met, and I don't care about what God says, and I don't care about what what is right or wrong, if there even is those categories. Um, Ultimately, I just care about self, and I worship myself, and in doing so, I worship sex. And I think that is where we find our culture today. And so this is that God says that sex should be between one man and one woman who are married together and committed to each other for life, to say that just is is foreign to this culture. And it's like, that is so close-minded. And that is so, like, old and backward and, like, messed up. Like, why, why would you think that way? And my answer is, is that because God is the one who created sex. And it is good in the way that he created it, in the way that he intended it, and in so many, just like in so many other areas of our lives, things that God created to be good and to be a blessing, what we do is we take it and corrupt it in that cycle that we're looking at. God blesses with sex, but people take that blessing and they corrupt it. And they make it into something that is not intended to be, and they use it in the of our sinful hearts were corrupted in this area as well. What were, what were the Israelites instructed to do? Um, Exodus 34. Starting verse 11. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care lest Care, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their ashram. For you shall worship no other. loving thing that he can do for us is to be jealous for us. And to be jealous for our worship and to be jealous for our praise. And so it's because of who he is is that he's the only one that deserves to be in that place in our lives. And so it would be wrong for him to not be jealous and to not desire our worship in the way that he does. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice, Daughters for your sons and their daughters, or after their lives. make your sons after their lives. God warned them. He said, "Here's what's going to happen: if you're not careful, you're going to fall into this." And I'm a jealous God. Don't forget that. I want you. I want your worship. That's the reason I have you. That's the reason that I've saved you. That's what I've I've saved you for. not a flippant thing. He takes it very, very seriously. And so, I want to propose to you that sex is not Activity that is outside of God's design that, that he is jealous for you And that he is Unhappy with that thing And I want to encourage you To repent of that our cycle. Repent of that And return to him through his Savior who he's provided In Jesus Christ Now you might say well Wayne I think you're Overstating Um comparison between the worship of these idols and sexual activity, right? Like, I I think you're overstating that, and I think you're building kind of a strong case there. Um, You know, we do have Jesus now, and he's about love and forgiveness, and yes, he is. Um, But after Jesus, um, Paul, in his instructions to Colossians, he says this in Colossians To death, therefore, what is earthly in you. First thing he must sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. sexual immorality, what does that mean? That means anything sexual outside of God's design of one man, one woman inside the committed covenant relationship of marriage for life. You say, well, I don't know. Like, is it really that big of a deal? Think about just just really, you know, if you remove yourself and your feelings from the situation, and you look at other people's lives, and you see them Use in this area of our lives. Think about all the little girls who are stripped of self esteem because early on in their life have a commitment before God, before your families, before your friends, before your culture, before the law, that you're in this for life until death do you part. There's protection in that. God designed it that way because when you do it that way, then there's protection in your safe. that when we join together sexually it's literally that you're becoming one flesh. What happens when one flesh is ripped apart? It hurts. There's pain. There's ripping. It's messy. So I encourage you that we need to pass on this truth. And kids might think, oh well, that's so antiquated. are doing it there are okay. mom all of a sudden who's having to figure out how she can take care of this life or what she can do and and everything's in jeopardy and everything's up in the air and she doesn't have the commitment. Is it serious? Yeah. It's life or death. You say, yeah. easy for us to follow into this. So like I said at the start, this is a message full of things that are not easy to say, and not popular, but they're important things. And I want to offer you some encouragement in closing, because I'm sure if we're honest, both in the raising of kids and also in sexuality. that we have done that we're not proud of. I want to encourage you the fact that we have Jesus. Jesus offers his grace and his mercy to cover these faults, to forgive these things. But his instructions for us is to not walk in them any longer. Don't continue with that. And so if you're For your truth We thank you for what you've given us in the Bible How we are to live And how we are to worship Lord I do pray that you will protect us From idols You will protect us from the idols Worshiping ourselves Especially in the area of sexuality Lord I pray that we will Be committed to you Be committed to Your truth and following you in that. the Lord, most of all, I know that we all need your grace to